Hi, everyone. Welcome to episode 210 of the All Dolphins podcast on this Tuesday, January 30th, 2024. Shout out, happy birthday to Cameron Wake, the Dolphin player of the 2010s. I don't think anybody could even argue that. That's a that's a goal of mine, Cameron Wake on the All Dolphins podcast. I I got I got to work on that. That that is absolutely a goal. The man has fallen off the face of the earth. He surfaced on a dolph at a Dolphins game, um, Bills game. Yeah. Yep. So um, I, I'm gonna see if I can make that happen. Okay, let's work on it. Speaking yeah. of the 2010s, we will do our quick history lesson on the season 2010. The Before first we get one. To the- to, to oh. the juicy stuff going on on these dolphin streets uh, in 2010. No, no, no. This is oh, in this episode, yeah, oh, yeah, yeah. No, no, we got a, we got a good one here. Um, but very quickly, do, this is another year. Uh, the Ooh. post post 20 2008 AFC's title hangover. Um, Chad Henney was still your starting quarterback at the beginning of the season. The Dolphins started off with wins. At Buffalo, Minnesota, won two straight on the road. That's a great way to start a season. And then, woof. Uh, and then Chad Henney was a quarterback, eventually was replaced by Chad Pennington, who lasted two snaps. A quarter. As I, as I said. No, I, I think it was the first series. Against Tennessee uh, in a game they wound up winning. And then they had to start a Thursday night game with Tyler Thigpen against the Chicago Bears. And got beat 16 to nothing. And we've seen some bad offensive football by the Dolphins in recent years, pre-Mike McDaniel. I don't know that we saw anything like that night. Oof, that was bad. Anyway, Dolphins lost 16 nothing, wound up going 7-9. Um, they made a trade, maybe the most interesting thing of the whole season. They had the 12th overall pick in the draft that year. Traded with the Chargers, who wanted running back Ryan Matthews, who never panned out. Dolphins got the 28th pick, which they used on. Defensive lineman Jared Odrick. They also got, I want to say, a second-round pick that they used on Koa Misi, and then they got a linebacker by the name of Tim Dobbins. Mm-hmm. You you didn't you glossed over the trade uh, for Brandon Marshall, who was going to be the big receiver that made Chad Henney a, a respectable NFL quarterback. That never happened. You just was glossed that over. Years? I, oh, I messed it up. I I knew you'd remember everything related to Brandon Marshall, so that's why I figured let me let me leave it out. Um, you you yeah, know, I, after working with Brandon Marshall, I now feel sorry for Chad Haney. Which is coming from me that 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 that, that takes a lot because I was I was not a Chad Haney fan, never was, probably never will be. But after being subjected to Brandon Marshall abuse for an entire season, I now feel sorry for him. And then this is when, I don't remember if it was that well-known at the time, but this is where the player who was highly productive for the Broncos, they traded him to the Dolphins for two second-round picks, as I remember. And then it didn't take that long for us down here to say, ooh, this dude's high maintenance. And then he wound up going from team to team to team. And I don't know that anybody has played for as many teams in the NFL during their career who was as talented as Brandon Marshall. And there was a reason for that, and a reason – which I'm going to guess you're fairly familiar with. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> we're going to back to January 30th, 2024. Uh, we're going to talk some Vic Fangio stuff, some really good Vic Fangio stuff. I guess we need to update the defensive coordinator search. There's one candidate who's out. We told you Bobby Babbage, the linebackers coach of the Buffalo Bills, was a very highly thought of uh, candidate. Well, he was so highly thought of that the Bills were like, mm, no, you're not going anywhere. They promoted him to defensive coordinator. 
They didn't have one last year after they parted ways with Leslie Frazier. Leslie Frazier moved along on his own to take a year off. Um, and it was Sean McDermott who called the defense. And now Leslie Frazier is a candidate for the Dolphins job. Mm -hmm. and, and and a candidate that I'm a, fa a fond of. Um, in fact, we talked to a Ron Jaworski on, on the Joe Rose show this morning. And Ron Jaworski worked with Leslie Frazier. Um, NFL Network um, says loves his defense, says he's got a great defensive mind, says he's got a personality that will allow him to work with this generation of players. One thing I really love about um, Leather Frazier is he's a former player. So th there's always a, a level of respect for from me for former players who are in the coaching establishment because they know what these players are going through. Um, and he's a, a guy, he's a coach that spans three generations of players. Um, and I think that that's important, especially when you're dealing with this generation of players, which I, I got to admit is is a little bit unique and different and some challenges, but it's not going can back. Please, can you please go ahead and play the defense that I call? Is that Can we discuss this possibility? Cool. You don't want to do it? Okay. Let's talk. What else would you like to – sorry. <laughs> <laughs> too much? Too much? <laughs> um. No, it's it's a little it, it, it's it's not the old school do what I say because I say it kind of mentality or I'm going to do something to you that I'm going to yell you and grab your face mask and yell in your and yell in your ear hole. Um, it, this is a different game, man. This is a completely different game than and I think it impacts all sports, not just football. Okay, let's let's revisit this in a second because this very is very topical today. Uh, two other names have surfaced today to add to the list of candidates. One is Anthony Weaver, former Notre Dame defensive end, played in the NFL for the Ravens and the Texans, served as DC for the Texans in the year 2020. Did not work out well, but yeah, the stats are bad. You look at that roster, not a whole lot. It was JJ Watt and not a whole lot, and it wasn't. It wasn't a good J.J. Watt year. I, I saw he had like five sacks that year. I don't know. Anybody played sorry, every game. Any defense with J.J. Watt is a good defense. But anyway. Not uh, that year, it wasn't. Yeah. And the other one is uh, Chris Kiffin, who is a defensive assistant, I want to say linebacker's coach, for the Texans, if you if you recognize the last name. Monty Kiffin's baby son boy. Of, son of Monty, brother of Lane. Mm -hmm. uh, one would think he's probably familiar with the Monty Kiffin style of defense. Which is the old Tampa two, um, so and that uh, in addition to Anthony Campanelli to Ryan uh, and and it should be mentioned that Anthony Weaver is was a candidate for two head coaching positions. Uh, interviewed for the Atlanta Falcons job. Interviewed for the Washington Commanders job. Uh, I you know, uh, and he's part of Harbaugh staff with the Ravens and as assistant head coach. So. I like the credentials. I don't necessarily like the production based on when you got your opportunity. But obviously, one I mean, year. yeah, but it was one year. It was it was one year, but I'm sorry, I don't want you to be the last team in the NFL in in in, in a number of categories. I, if, I get if, it. If that's the case, Omar, then how did he become associate head coach or or, or assistant head coach? With the Ravens, Baltimore. Okay, tons of respect. You gotta have. You gotta have some respect. However, I'm not very comfortable with the fact that you coached the worst defense in the NFL. 
one year. You are so unforgiving. Okay, let me list you the defensive starters here. Okay. Can you tell me if that jumps out, anything jumps out here? Okay. Okay. J.J. Watt, who we told is a great player. Really good player. Okay. Nose tackle is Brandon Dunn. Okay. Go ahead. Be honest. You're going to say who? No. Yeah, who? Not, okay. not, nose tackle is a very important position to be saying who. Continue. Okay. Right defensive end, P.J. Hall. Who? Okay. Uh, outside linebacker, more bigger name, Whitney Marcellus. Uh, he was okay. He was okay. Okay, continue. Okay, inside linebacker Zach Cunningham and uh, Terrell Adams. That's Zach perfect. Cunningham's was de had some decent years with Tennessee. Uh, right outside linebacker, former Dolphin Brennan Scarlett. Cornerbacks were Bradley Roby, Bradley Roby and Vernon Hargraves the third, and your safeties were Eric Murray. And Justin Reed, who has now become an absolute baller with the KC Chiefs, uh, you tell me. You tell me that's a star-studded defense right there. I cannot tell you that. Okay. So that's why I and it's not just me. Obviously, other organizations kind of gave him a pass for it. Like, yeah, your defense completely st sucked statistically, but you weren't necessarily working with a ton. So we shall see where that goes. But we need to address our previous defensive coordinator, one Dick Fangio, and the comments made by Ron Jaworski on Philadelphia Station WIP. You should pull up the quote because it's, I mean, damn, that's a good quote. And by the way, so the connection, by the way, with um, what would entitle Ron Jaworski to speak with some knowledge, some inside knowledge, and, and maybe Service very, very for Vic Fangio. Very, very, very inside knowledge. He said the dude, the guys have been friends for 40 years. When Jaworski played for the Eagles and Vic Fangio was a volunteer for the Philadelphia Stars of the USFL. Jaworski, by the way, played for the Dolphins one year in 1988. But I got to pull up this this quote here because it's it's a doozy. <laughs> uh, yeah. And for those who don't know or haven't followed or just surfaced on the All Dolphins podcast uh, or just peruse through or maybe you're a Philadelphia Eagle fan. Um, what we're setting up here is the fact that, yes, on the way out, um, and it wasn't a firing, it was a mutual parting of ways, uh, Vic Fangio received a couple of body blows from his players, not his fellow coaches, but from his players for basically being an old curmudgeon and uncompromising and uh very stubborn in his ways. They didn't like his coaching style, didn't like his approach, didn't like his their inability to communicate with him. Um, and they were kind of happy that he was moving on uh, and sort of celebrated it and didn't really care who became the defensive coordinator. They're not necessarily looking for an in-house candidate to be elevated. They just wanted him gone um, and felt like he actually held the defense back in a lot of his decisions and a lot of his choices because Vic Fangio was stubborn and set in his ways. Now, and a lot of that stuff as media members can acknowledge that there is some validity to that truth, correct? 
with no, without question, some of it was like off the record. Then, but then, then you had on the record Javon Holland posting on Instagram kicking rocks. You had Drew Rosenhaus saying that he wasn't popular with a lot of the guys. It wasn't a positive relationship. And then you had Tyreek Hill while he's playing video games or doing Twitch or whatever it was, saying that he's a guru, but he's got to learn how to deal with players. He does. All of those were on the record. So Ron Jaworski today said, and he was asked, first of all, whether, because Jaworski's a big Eagles guy also, Joy, he was asked whether he was concerned about all that came out, and he was like, zero impact on me. And And then he said, coaches coach, I have connections as well around this league, and I hear another side of that story, that there were some players on that defense that didn't want to work, didn't want to put in, put the time in, didn't want to put the effort in, didn't want to make the commitment to be successful. Guys like to party at night, and South Beach is a really great place to party. Mm-hmm. And Dick tried to get those guys and push those guys to become harder workers and better athletes and more committed to their team, and he couldn't get through to those guys. Those were the guys that Vic was pushing, and they're the guys that are whining right now. Mm. Mm. Uh, 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 are you finished? Mm-hmm. Are you yes, finished? I'm, oh, yeah, I'm done. Okay. Um, I think there's a lot of validity to some of the things that Ron Jaworski said. However, as the person who talked to a lot of those players, and it wasn't just after he was fired, because you know they've been talking to me all season, and they'd been complaining all season. Um, I could tell you that it was not the party guys that were had issue with Vic. Um, these are some of the most well-respected Dolphins players. Um, and everybody knows, I don't really talk to Javon Holland. And you saw what Javon Holland said. Javon Holland is a very respected Dolphins player. And I can tell you, Javon Holland isn't a partier. Um, there are a number of guys um, who were not the partying type, uh, who were extremely committed to their craft, who still had issues with Vic. Now, were there players, and is that something that I heard about Cam Smith? Um, he wasn't playing because he didn't know how to be a professional, allegedly. I don't know Cam Smith's habits. I don't know if he showed up to practices late. I don't know what his mentality was. I don't know how much he studied. Um, but I do know, and players have said to me, he could play, and he should have played over Eli Apple, who was one of the partying guys. So I, you, 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 so it's easy to say, easy to, and, and everything that Ron Jaworski said about Miami and Miami culture and how difficult it is to get players to focus and fully commit to, you know, their craft, there's validity to it. There are former NFL executives that used to work for the Dolphins that now work elsewhere. And they said, you have to be very, very, very careful about the player that you put into Miami because of Miami culture, Miami lifestyle. If you, it's Tuesday today, if I want to go out, and do something that involves alcohol, women, maybe drugs, music, late night, I can find it because that's Miami. Actually, hell, it's probably two miles from me if I want to get into something. Hell, yeah. there's there's something at Tootsie's, which is two miles from the Miami Dolphins, 
every night and two miles from the facility. I could stop. I could leave practice, head to Tootsie's, get me a seafood lobster and entertain myself for a couple of hours and not necessarily be a professional. Is that a problem that the Miami Dolphins have? Absolutely. Is Hard Rock Casino a problem that the Miami Dolphins have? Absolutely. But every city has very specific, unique problems. Now, so I'm not going to say what Ron Jaworski said on behalf of Vic Fangio is not a problem and not an issue. Because it is. And it has always been for 20-something years. But do I think that Tua or Chubb or Jalen Ramsey or uh, 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 or Philip uh, Jalen Phillips or Christian Wilkins or Javon Holland or Jerome Baker have these issues, huh? Or Zach Sealer? Or Zach Sealer? No. Now, were there specific players that? probably have those issues and maybe didn't have the most locked in focus. No. I mean, yes, there, there are players like that, but did that stop Vic Fangio from turning them into the number four defense before they fell apart from an injury standpoint? No, it didn't. And I think we should, we should clarify if we haven't already done so to make it perfectly clear that Jaworski prefaced his Philadelphia radio station interview by saying he's been friends with a guy for 40 years and they're, they still talk and they're close. So when he says, I have sources around the league and they gives you the inside story, what Fangio is thinking, I think it's pretty safe. It's a, it's not a, a big leap to suggest that it came from Fangio himself. Am I right? And if somebody, and, and to be fair, if somebody's taking shots at me and those shots were valid, let's, let's, let's not dance around the yeah. truth. Huh? Sure, but go ahead, and I'll come. I'll come back to my butt. Okay. He was an old curmudgeon. He was uncompromising, and he's the man in charge. He's the one who's getting paid four and a half million to lead the defense as the highest paid defensive coordinator in, in NFL history. It should be he should be the one to call the shots. And there's something to be said for while you want to be as accommodating as possible and have the players on board as much as possible. If there's a disagreement in a way to, to do things, if he thinks his way is the right way, I, I'm sorry, but he's the, he's the coach. Okay, and I don't disagree with you, but unfortunately, in this era of professional sports, and I'm not even just saying the NFL, look at college football, look at the NBA. In this era of professional sports, you cannot be an old curmudgeon, my way or the highway, uncompromising figure it's not going to work on any level in sports. It's not going to work. Except you just pointed out they were fourth until injuries. Look at Bill Belichick. Do you think Bill Belichick's not going to get a job? Bill Belichick isn't getting the job. And I don't know if he's getting a job next year or the year after that. Because his team sucked post Brady, but he he was, he was, you want to talk, talk about curmudgeon. He wasn't a curmudgeon for 20 years. Yeah, no, 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 no. But I, but there was always the sentiment amongst players that I'm not going to go play there. It, you couldn't pay me enough money to go play there. Every, like, yeah, they, they got, they got, you know what the Patriots got? They got players who said, 
I'm at the end of my career. I'm chasing a ring. I'm going to go play with Tom yep. Brady. Yep. Despite Bill Belichick. Yep. That's what they got for, yep. for, for, for 20 years. And then what, what made them fall apart is the fact that he sucked at drafting. And after Brady was gone, players had to be overpaid to come there. And he wasn't good enough to coach them into a winning. Well, he did coach them one year into a winning organization. Yeah. And But even coaches don't want to work for Bill Belichick right now. Like, you, you think that's the reason the defensive coordinator was the offensive coordinator for a season? Like, it's it's well yeah cool because he went he went with his old buddies i mean joey yeah yeah but but here's the thing about this whole these players don't want to be coached hard i'm sorry brian flores coached them hard brian flores was very difficult to deal with but he wasn't a curmudgeon and he listened and i despite what you want to despite what they want to say about brian flores me personally omar kelly who is known as a player advocate. I have never once told you a player outside of Tua Tonga-Vailoa or maybe um, Austin Jackson felt like he was he crossed the lines or was out of bounds or was uncompromised. I don't know a defensive player that complains about Brian Flores. Not, I don't know one. No, not defensive players, but you do know. The, and again, they're out there, valid or not. There were reports after he was fired, and I don't know if it's the organization like kind of oh, throwing, yeah. throwing dirt on the way out. And, but they, and they do that. They do without a doubt. They don't do. And and let me let me say something and have make sure it's on the record. I've never been a play. I've never been an organization plant. Never intend to be an organization plant. What I have done my entire career is advocate for the players, and because I do that. I don't necessarily get information fed from the organization. I So if they're out there shoveling dirt on people, it's not me they're giving the shovel to. Oh, so, hey, that's just, I, I can tell you who's been doing it over the years, but it ain't me. We don't, we don't need to go there. We, we, you and I know, but we don't it's need for, to go it's there. It's your buddy. Anyway, um, let's continue. Well, he'd be one of them. Uh, and, and, and I'm not an advocate for anybody. I'm, a, I'm an advocate for calling it as I see it. Uh, like like or not. Here's the question that I asked, because I wrote about the Jaworski comments as they relate to that's your cue there. Oh, well done. And my finger was on the right spot as they relate to uh, Fangio. Uh, and the question I posed, based on those reports that players had issue with Flores because he was too much of a hard ass, for lack of a better term, and the same issues with Fangio, Again, I'm just throwing it out there. Is it possible that there's an issue? There's a there's a a toughness issue with this team, um, and again, I bring this up. I'm asking the question. I'm not. I haven't studied it enough to make to make a definitive conclusion, other than to say that when the chips get down and it gets the toughest is late in the season, and under Brian Flores, the hard ass. The Dolphins were 10 and 5 in December and January games, including the tank season of 2019. <laughs> Excuse me, the rebuilding season. And Mike McDaniel in his two seasons, Mike McDaniel, nice guy, relates to the players and all that. They're four and eight. And I and and as I put in dolphins.com, I understand injuries play a factor, quality of opposition plays a factor, but it's still 10 and 5 versus four and eight. I I no no this no argument there. 
in regards to Dolphins under Mike McDaniel have fizzled and they play their best ball with Flores in the late stretches of the season. Doesn't mean they're a good team, but they play their best ball. And that's, and again, that's, that's part of it is mental toughness. And yeah, but I also don't, I also don't remember Brian Flores' team being decimated by injuries in the final months of the season is two years either. Just my personal opinion. Um, and they weren't, they weren't last year until the second concussion against Green Bay, but they still were lost four in a row okay. in December. Mm-hmm. Anyway, uh, I, I, I don't know. Do I think that it's easy, if not lazy, to say the Miami Dolphins aren't a tough mental team because of the end result? And, or it's easy. If not lazy to say, oh, the Miami Dolphins are a soft team because they have a very player friendly coach. And Mike McDaniel is about, if you look up the picture of player friendly in the in, in the dictionary, his mug would be sitting right there Correct. in his designer clothes. Like it 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 uh, but this is who you hired and you knew that. And Correct. now the thought is to make sure that somebody who is philosophically aligned with Mike McDaniel, as opposed to Vic Fangio, which who you, you question anything about Vic Fangio's defense and every defensive assistant will tell you, well, one third of the league is running their is his defense. They're running a version of it from, from something that he built. And we, we just got to figure it out and, and, and get more comfortable in doing what Fangio says. It's like everybody had been whipped. Uh, and well, but then you also have in 2019, uh, somebody did like a roundtable with the young rising star coaches, Sean McVay, Kyle Shanahan, and Matt LaFleur. And to a, to a man, they all said, that's the defense that gives us the most problems. It's a Vic Fangio defense. I mean, mm-hmm. the dude can coach, regardless of what we want to say about his personality. And no, his- no, 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 no argument there. Um, the, the only complaint that I primarily had about his coaching style approach and style was that he was uncompromising and that also there's too much gray in his defense where players just wanted you don't 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 see a problem and tell me how not tell me how you want me to handle it and then after the fact after I do what I felt was right come in and say, no, you should have been done the other thing because the results didn't, didn't add up to success. Um, and that had been, they were preaching this from OTAs that, oh, this is this defense. It's a lot of gray and leaves up, leaves it up to your interpretation. Well, by the end of the season, players were like, we just want you to tell us how you want us to handle these crossers. Just tell us what to do. And it it, it never came. Um, I think Fangio will be a very successful defensive coordinator with the Philadelphia Eagles. I think he's going to lead other teams to success. He's never going to probably get a head coaching opportunity again, primarily because of his personality and his ways, um, which I'm pretty sure an ownership group doesn't necessarily want to deal with. We loved it. Uh, 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 yeah, I know. I know another old curmudgeon who absolutely loved it. Um, <laughs> it, it. It was. 
it was refreshing. It was candid. It was honest. It was shots fired. We loved it. Um, but they weren't they weren't cheap shots. I mean, you just wasn't cheap shots. You just, just wasn't afraid to tell you if a guy wasn't playing up to snuff. Where where with the other coordinators, with all the respect, nice men and all that, and we'll go back to that next year. Is everybody is working hard, uh, making progress. Uh, you he, know, and he fell on the sword when he needed to fall on the sword. Correct. I think the biggest issue to me is when everybody in the world knew that he needed to be shadowing. He was absolutely adamant about not shadowing. And then the one time that they had success shadowing, it was not his game plan. Players just said, screw the old man, we're doing it. And it led to success. And I know you will say that <laughs> he didn't take credit for it. Um, he certainly didn't say, that wasn't my plan. Dude, he, he, again, but he can't say the players defied me and, and and did it against my wishes. You can't say that either. And that was the second Jets game. And no matter what they did, considering that Zach Wilson had somebody in his face pretty much a second after he, he took the snap, it wouldn't have mattered. I could have covered Garrett Wilson that day. Wouldn't have mattered. I'm just exaggerating here. But you get you catch my drift. I mean, it was yes. just – they just I completely mean, overwhelmed the Jets' offensive line. Um, But – to, to to wrap a bow on this, and I hear yes, I hear both sides of the story. And Fanjo, it's it's not great when you hear people celebrating your exit. Um, so I'm sure he's going to take the high road when he finally talks to the Eagles media, and mm -hmm. you know, uh, but I would hope that this is also a learning opportunity for him because I'm sorry, you can't coach today's player with that approach it's not going to work not not today's player and i don't care what organization you're part of you cannot approach today's player with it's my way or the highway approach in any level of football look at nick nick saban it's not going to work in this generation of players what, what, I mean, what do you mean look at nick saban he just you would just reach the national championship game or the semifinal was he lost semi the semifinal, but it's a mad exodus of players leaving Alabama's programs every year, primarily because eh, they've got options. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But they got options. They they this is and and think don't real don't think that this NIL stuff, this coddling stuff, this players being um wooed and coddled and having their tummies rubbed. It is isn't going to filter into the NFL because it is, and it has. I mean, yeah, it, it, yeah, it, it it has. You you, you I'm sorry, you you can't coach. Do you think Bill Parcells could coach in this era? Forget Hell Bill Parcells. Forget Bill Parcells. And I mean, for like for the old folks out there, Don Shula couldn't coach in today's game. No, yeah, he would have a hard. He would have a hard time accepting the fact again. Uh, was it Frank Layden, the former Utah Jazz head coach, had like a like a funny line of like, it used to be go stand in the corner. Then it became, can we talk about the possibility of you going to stand in the corner? And then it became, why don't I go sit in the corner for you? Uh, <laughs> kind of the evolution of it. <laughs> I never heard that, but I. <laughs> I'm sorry, but that yeah, that's uh, that's pretty. Fun. <laughs> 
that's pretty much today's era of professional athletes. Yep. Uh, let us close on this note. I wanted to bring this up. Uh, so the good folks at Pro Football Focus uh, identified their breakout candidate for each team for the Dolphins. They picked Devon HN, which led me to write a story on. Come on, Omar. Damn. Alldolphins.com. All Alldolphins.com uh, with my three breakout candidates because I looked at Devon HN and my first reaction, which they acknowledged was breakout. He already broke out. The dude was a complete stud. I mean, there's no more breaking out than what he did. Um, so instead, I identified three other players. And since I want people to read the story at Alldolphins.com, Omar, why don't you tell me what would be guys that come to mind for you? For possible players, um, if there was a breakout player, I would have given it to Zach Sealer um, for two, the 2000. No, no, no. This is not, this is for next year. Not yeah, yeah, yeah. But for, based on, you know, I, I'm sorry. I think Zach Sealer is going to have, well, as long as he has Christian Wilkins next to him, um, Zach Sealer is a baller. But anyway, I think he's going to be arguably considered one of the best defensive tackles in the NFL if he has Christian Wilkins next to him. Uh, what what will happen next year? Who knows? Um, if I had to name a breakout player, obviously it's going to be Cam Smith. Um, I hope that the young man took all of the hazing, the harassing, mm. the Big Fangio, and this was told to me by multiple players, Big Fangio hates him. He'll never play. And I gave up on that at, at midseason. And Vic Fangio absolutely despised the young man, and he was never going to play for Vic Fangio. So, this gives him new life. Hey, 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 he did play 20 snaps. Come on. No, no, no. He played 11 snaps on defense. No, they played 20, but okay, go ahead. No, I looked last. I really looked. He was 20. Go ahead. Anyway, um, but if I'm going to assign another breakout player, breakout to a player, it would probably be Julian Hill, the tight end. Okay. Um, played nearly 400 snaps on offense. You know, from a coaching staff standpoint, they raved about this young man mm -hmm. um, in terms of – even Durham Smite said he's tougher than me. He was he's smarter than me when I was at that age. He's going to be a, a, a very good player. Um, and so every Dolphin fan who thinks that this organization is going to be drafting a tight end in the first round and you know moving up and trading up for Bowers and yeah, I don't know about that. Um, they have a, they are big fans of Julian Hill, and if there's going to be another breakout star offensively, it's probably going to be him. Um, considering I don't think this team has very good depth or young talent, and I can't name you five young players on this roster, yeah. Um, and a lot of that has to do with poor drafting. Yeah, I said it. Uh, I I I can't name you anybody else. That that's just the, you no know, young defensive end. No young defensive tackle, no young inside linebacker, no young edge player, unless you want to consider Cameron Good a young edge player. Um, you're only young, no, no young cornerback that, that established himself, maybe Ethan Bonner um, and Javon Holland. Javon Holland is literally the only safety on the roster. You do realize that, right? Elliot's a free agent and a one-year deal. Well, uh, the back of Brandon Jones is a free agent, and then Elijah Campbell is a restricted free agent that they're not going to be able to afford to. to no, the, the UFA is our RFA. Sorry. Yeah. Um, well, I had some different names, so check out the store on Dolphins.com if you want to see what, who I came up with. Um, interesting. If we're going to do like the breakout player of 2023, 
Zach Sealer is a very, very good one for me. I think I would go Austin Jackson as the as the breakout player of twenty twenty three. That's a that's a good one as well. Austin had a very productive season, and and I expect him to take his game to the next level. Um, Austin has really redefined his body. He looks like a defensive end now, and I'm dying to see what that that means for um, his performance uh, on the field because it's it's really been an evolution mentally and physically for Austin Jackson. And, and that's what you really want to see from, from every young player, um, which is part of the reason why the Dolphins signed him to a multi-year deal. And, and at least that's the one, one position you don't have to worry about. Now the question is who else do you resign on this offensive line? Because I have a hard time believing it's going to be Robert Hunt and Connor Williams. So we will see, and we'll continue to break that down this off season as the Dolphins world turns. We'll be here at alldolphins.com, writing stories, writing columns, doing analysis pieces, and as you are listening to or watching, doing the All Dolphins podcast. Always a pleasure to be here with you guys. Always a pleasure, and it's free. No paywall, no subscription. You type it in, alldolphins.com. Hopefully, you got it bookmarked on your computer or phone. It's free. So we'll be here. Moving forward, all off season, feeding you your Dolphins information. On that note, we will. Yeah, you got something to say? I do the hat tip. No, no, I got to do the hat tip. Okay. On that note, we will. Hat tip. We will see you tomorrow. Bet MGM has an unreal deal for sports fans in Virginia. Turn five dollars into one hundred and fifty dollars instantly when you place your first wager at Bet MGM. Simply download the Bet MGM app and sign up using code Champion One Hundred and Fifty. Then place a five dollar wager on any sport. You'll receive one hundred and fifty dollars in bonus bets, regardless of your wager's outcome. And if you think the fun stops there, the King of Sportsbooks has plenty of surprises in store. Check out daily promotions, same game parlays, live bets and so much more download the app in virginia today and get 150 dollars in bonus bets instantly from your first wager only at betmgm betmgm and GameSense remind you to play responsibly see betmgm.com for terms 21 plus only virginia only new customer offer subject to eligibility requirements rewards are non-withdrawable bonus bets that expire in seven days please gamble responsibly gambling problem call 1-800-GAMBLER promotional offer not available in washington dc